Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are very excited to be with you during our relationship series. We know we kicked it off last week with some good old-fashioned television shows and maybe do's and don'ts of TV and why we don't like Friends and don't really like Seinfeld, but love shows like Madam Secretary, which apparently Tiffany jumped on the bandwagon. Tiffany, can you you please tell us about it? Oh my gosh, you guys. (laughs) I had no idea what awaited me. It's been on my watch list for quite some time. But after you recommended it last week, I was like, okay, okay, let's give this a go. (laughs) And it blew me away. Also, it's like rated TV PG, so there's no smut. So you don't have to worry about fast forward or anything, which is kind of nice. I'm here for that. I want smut smut in my life. So I was, (laughs) I'm I'm loving that. And also, I just have to say, if you haven't watched it, you guys, come on, you got to start watching it. Did you know that they're a couple (laughs) in real life? Did you know that? Oh, really? Uh No, I don't think I did know that. Cody probably knows that. I did not know that. Yeah, I had no idea. I mean, I started, you know, looking up on IMDb everything they've ever done and their personal history and career. But then I discovered, wow, they've been together since 2014. And they're like a real thing. Well, no wonder they are so perfect on television. It's like ridiculous. It's too good. I know. It's too good. I will tell you, the episode I watched last night, it was one where it was assumed there may be an affair. But then we found out. It was something else. Mm -hmm. And I was on the edge of my seat. And I was like, wait, this is not the healthy marriage I was promised. (laughs) But it was okay. It was okay. We we sorted it out. We talked it out. We ate some chocolate. had some chamomile tea. Oh, which which I've I've, uh, at night. Listeners, let me know. Are you a tea drinker at night? Is that what you do? I, I have joined the tea drinking team at night. I have a little chamomile every night. I call it my cami tea, and it's it's nice. I'm not going to lie. It helps me. I think it helps me sleep. I'm not going to lie. It's good. good stuff. I love that. You know what? Cody recently got into tea because he was drinking so much coffee, and um, he's loving it. So he makes a cup in the morning, and then he'll sometimes do a cup at night as well. So that's a new thing he's added to our house. <laughs> does, he, does he still do, like, one cup of coffee or just tea? You know, it depends on the day. So he'll do, sometimes he'll do a couple of cups in the morning. It depends on, you know, who, who slept the night before and, mm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, what, how early mm-hmm. the kids got up. Because <laughs> I tend to like feed, for those of you who are new listeners, I have a newborn. And so I tend to feed in the morning. So he's up with the boys. And so if it's been a really early, like 6 a.m. morning, then he tends to have a couple of cups. And then tea's like, you know, mid-morning and late evening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hitting my mid-morning stride. I'm having a cup of decaf black tea right now with some with some milk so there we go there we go so good well you guys we're very excited for today's episode because you know when it comes to relationships we have a we have a guest coming next week that you're gonna love and we're just gonna make you wait for the good surprise but she's so fantastic and she's actually gonna be talking about rejection and how to how to overcome rejection and what it looks like to be rejected and she has this really great line that she says thank you for rejecting me <laughs> and so sometimes rejection can be the best thing that has ever happened to you and that has certainly been true in my life in relationships specifically and today we thought it would be great to introduce a topic that you may or may not be familiar with but we wanted to talk to you guys about codependency and codependency is kind of this 
this word that gets thrown out there very often in addiction circles. Like you can very often assume that codependency is related to substance abuse or to addiction related to alcohol or drugs or, you know, different substances. But at the same time, codependency is very often, you know, rooted in relationships and in our need to either control a person or be controlled by a person or our need and desire to take care of a person um, without that being reciprocal or to be taken care of by a person. And so codependency looks like an enmeshment of two people's lives. And we want to talk about that because we really do think that it's more prevalent than you might think or believe. And we also want to offer some tools and ways that you can step out of codependency if it's been something that you've struggled with. I have a question, Ashley. How old were you or what season of life were you in when you discovered the nature and characteristics of codependency? Because I wasn't till my, gosh, mid-20s maybe. Right. So um, I guess I I started my recovery work when I was 21 years old. Um, So I learned about codependency pretty quickly Mm. um, during my early 20s. And I also read the book Codependent No More, which is like an old school. I think it's like a book from the 80s, but it's one of the most popular books on codependency. And I read that when I first, you know, started my recovery journey and just began to sort of root out a bunch of those relationships. But I really don't feel like I got free from it, though, until I was maybe about um, 26, 27. And I ended a very bad relationship with a guy that I was dating in the church and he turned out to be not a great guy but because of my codependency in intimate relationships I had already kind of tackled it when it comes to family and friends but I had not tackled it when it came to my dating life and my mm-hmm. intimate life and so that is when I really had to go like wait a minute this is still very much a part of my life I'm taking right. care of this man like he's my child and he had more resource than me more wealth than me but he just you know had this weird way of wanting to control me and my decisions and also of making me take care of him. And, you know, I take responsibility for my part in that because nobody can make you do anything for the most part. Um, But at the same time, the way that he used coercion to make me feel and manipulation and control to make me feel like I owed him things um, was was a really like that was a wake up call for me. So that's when I kind of tackled it officially for good. Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. I think for me, it was in familial relationships. And I, you know, especially if you're nurtured in codependent relationships, it's very hard to identify what you know as your normal. But then as an adult being like, wait a second, how has this contributed to unhealth in my life, unhealth in this relationship, unhealth in this other person's life? Um, I have a few things, if you don't mind, I want to read just six signs. Because I think we can hear the word codependent and you gave the most perfect definition, enmeshment in relationship. But maybe Mm -hmm. you're thinking like, oh, that's not me. I don't have any of those. I just want to give six little signs and then Mm -hmm. check yourself on that. Number one, you're enabling unhealthy behaviors in your relationships and they're doing the same for you. Number two, um, you are stressed out from helping everyone except yourself. Number three, you have low self-worth despite making others feel good about themselves. Number four, you feel devalued by those in relationships with you. Number five, your mood is dictated by the mood of those closest to you. Mm-hmm. Number six, you're about you're angry about the way you are treated, but you keep your feelings to yourself, causing bitterness and resentment to rise up. And of course, those are just a few. Right. Um, and those are from Dr. Cloud. Uh, yeah. Six things to look for in codependent relationships because um, it's not it's not a mental illness, but it is something that can creep into all of our relationships. Yeah. And just as you said at the very beginning, this is fixable once we know. Totally. We can really identify um, a way out of it. Yep. 
And I love, um, you know, Harmony Grillo, she's been on our podcast before, a dear friend of ours. She's the founder of Treasures. And she also has a great codependency quiz that we're going to put in the show notes for you. So you can actually take a quiz to see, like, are these some of the things, are the things that Tiffany just listed off, some of the things that, you know, I'm dealing with and facing. And also I want to add, like, just difficulty saying no, um, Mm. that you just have a hard time telling people no. And or if you do say no, like, I, I remember doing that, like having a very difficult time telling people no. And then for a season afterwards, when I learned to say no, I felt the the constant need to explain why. Mm. And if I was saying, even if it was something simple, like, oh, no, I can't do that, I would add on, I can't do that because I have this project due, and then that evening I'm going to do this, and the next day this is happening. So I would offer, like, three reasons why I'm saying no to something instead of just being like, oh, no, I'm sorry, I have another commitment, I'm not doing that, um, because I just didn't feel confident enough in my no. And I was also, you know, secretly, even though I, I wasn't consciously aware of this, but subconsciously I was afraid that my no would cost me relationships. And so for you, you might feel like, oh, my no could cost me relationship or my no could cost people liking me or my no could cost me opportunities in the future. And then you base your decisions on that versus what is your true capacity and your true yeah, desire. That's so good. Um, and then another one, um, and Harmony talks about this one too. And we, she's like the female Dr. Cloud, by the way, if you guys are not she familiar so with is. her. She so is. But she, um, she has one where she says, you spend a lot of time talking, thinking, and worrying about other people's problems or behavior. And mm-hmm. so sometimes mm-hmm. that can be a clear deflection of you not wanting to deal with, talk about, think about, or worry about your own problems or behavior. It's much easier to fix other people or to think about them. And sometimes we do it because we gain relationship or we gain standing with people. And you know what? This can happen a lot in ministry. When I was yeah. young in ministry, man, I just thought like the more that I take on, the more responsibilities I have the more I let people, um, for lack of a better word, use me, then the more relationship I'll have, the more significance I'll have, the more opportunity I'll have. And in the culture that I was a part of early on, that actually was the truth. And I know that that doesn't, you know, just stand for ministry. I think that also can happen in your corporate work settings. Mm -hmm. It can happen in a nonprofit that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that can happen in so many circles, but sometimes we feel like, you know, um, what we do for others and worrying about them can become our full-time job literally at work. And it can be our full-time, it can take up mental space all the time. We're worrying about how we're going to fix other people instead of kind of letting that go. And one thing I want to say about codependency too, you guys, when you finally start to step out of it, Tiffany, is it not boring? Like all of a sudden you're like, why is my mind so clear? Like I don't have anything to worry about. (laughs) And you feel a bit of peace and it feels boring. Like maybe I'm doing something wrong. Um, But that's actually a really good step is when you start to feel a little bit bored because that shows that you're starting to step out of that codependent nature where other people's issues and problems and pain are your constant meditation. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. I love the pain point you hit on in the same way that narcissism can be a prerequisite for leadership, which is not healthy or whole or a goodness culture for any of us in that same way codependency can be conditional for belonging and acceptance and uh, and sadly i I mean i i didn't think of that when we first started this conversation but faith communities it's they're ripe for codependent abuse and abusive power in that nature and it really really is so sad um i had a gal reach out to me in my dms um goodness months ago I, i i must have reposted somebody else's post about um, just abusive church culture. And she reached out and she said, I, I've known nowhere as abusive as church working mm. for them and laboring for them Gosh. and giving every spare minute and how that 
determined her place in heaven, her salvation, her spiritual maturity was dependent on her codependent wow. relationship with an institution. And I think that that can wow, get really, that happens so really, often. yeah, it does. And it, <laughs> and, and when, especially if you were raised in codependent, uh, family homes, your family of origin, yeah. and then you yeah. feel accepted by the church dependent on, right? Codependent, dependent yes. on XYZ. It's yeah. just the master for disaster. I think I got to be honest with you. Um, when I first discovered, actually, you were the first person to introduce me to Dr. Henry Cloud, by the way, mm-hmm. way back when. Um, and you gave me the book. Oh, girl, come on. It's a yellow cover. Changes the heel. Yes, girl. Changes yeah. the heel. <laughs> it's Changes my favorite. The heel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I read it twice. Derek's read it's it. It's the best book. Um, I remember thinking, but am I going to hurt somebody if I do this? Am I going to? I just, I read the whole right. thing and I'm like, I. I would hurt this person or this person or family or job or boss or coworker or whoever the case, or pastor, yeah. you know, mentor. Yeah. Oh, but I don't want to hurt them. Yeah. And so for me, I came from that position of I'm the caretaker. Like, right. I don't want to be, I don't want to hurt you. I've got to help and take care. And then really I'm enabling codependent right. behavior. Um, it's a, it's a slippery slope, y'all. It's a slippery slope. It okay. So one is. of the things um, that I wanted to, um, to bring to light. Maybe this is you. For me, I can sense codependency has entered a relationship, whether that's work, friendship, church, um, in my body. I I mm. wouldn't say that I'm particularly in tune with my body, you guys. I'm not that girl like who's really in tune. I'm I'm really not. I'm like, oh, I don't know why my hair's falling out and it's because of stress. You know, that kind of thing. So I'm don't don't like take this as gospel truth. But codependency, that is one area where I start to get um just anxiety, nervousness, yeah. um, fear, a lot of fear, yeah. um, a lot of fearing of what this person would do to me um, or how they might um, use their power against me or manipulate me. I, th- this is one area where I start to get a pit in my stomach when I sense yeah. codependency has entered the exchange. And it's been, I've had that in ministry, I've had that in friendship, I've had that at work. Yeah. And it has been my, not, it's been my red flag is my, just my gut, my feeling like, oh, something's not right here. And I, w- I again, I didn't have the vernacular to say this is codependency. Right. And I can see that this person, there's manipulation here. There is enmeshment about to happen between the two of us. And we both, again, like you said, we both have to take responsibility for that. Yeah. But uh, so for you, maybe you're like, something's not right about this relationship. I feel a little sick about it. Listen to that. Listen right. to that. Is there, yep. um, is there someone taking advantage of the other person or, or is there dependent on the other person in a way that would not be appropriate, that does not honor each other's inherent value or boundaries? And I love how you yep. said, Harmony said, are you preoccupied with that other person and what they're doing in the world and what they're doing in their life and how they're living their life? I think it's hard when, <laughs> as parents. I'm like, wait, am I codependent? parent you know like because you're like oh what might want to read a book about that (laughs) can somebody give me an evaluation um because i do we you know we want to foster kids who are going to thrive in life but not at the risk of codependency when we're trying to invite them to walk in the fullness of god yeah i love that and you know same i read a whole chapter about truth telling in my body because my body is usually my first indicator too tiffany so i love that Mm -hmm. and for me it comes out in anger i'll find myself just being furious and feeling taken advantage of um, and I'll also feel like, oh, the, this person is like doing something that hurts and um, it'll come out in anger for me. So I think that, yeah, listening to your body is really key in so many of our relationships. And, um, you know, so in the Psalms, David writes a lot about the gut. And when you feel compassionate,
compassion actually, you know, it's directly connected to your guttural response. So compassion is actually pretty primal. And so is things wow. like praise. And so is hurt. It's wow. like a, there's a primal thing that happens in us. So you can be in your relationships. And especially as women, we are so used to having to not listen to that primal side of us that is crying out to be heard. And so I think it's so important to take a step back and go, wait a minute, all of my alarm bells are going off internally, whether that's in your gut, like Tiffany was mentioning, mm. anxiety or whatever it is, or there's like an emotion that makes no sense to be in the in the moment. Like, why would I be feeling angry right now? But you can sense anger or maybe that anger turns into anxiety or maybe it turns into a bit of depression and sitting back and not talking, not sharing, um, whatever it kind of turns into you for you. It's so important for you to listen to that because it matters and it can happen. And sometimes you just, it's a quick tweak and a quick redirect and it's not, you know, that, that difficult to kind of set new boundaries. But if you're new to it, um, it can feel like Tiffany said earlier, like you're going to hurt the other person or you're going to lose out on something or it's going to change the whole nature of your relationship. And I just want to encourage you that that's okay. <laughs> it's actually yeah, okay yeah. for another person to hurt. You know, Dr. Henry Cloud talks about this too, that there's a big difference between hurt and harm. And so, you know, and the Bible talks about this in the Proverbs that, you know, better are the wounds of a friend than like the kiss of an enemy. And it's so, it's so true. Like people are going to hurt us. That is what life is. That's what relationship is. And if you haven't experienced that in a relationship, then you're going to, if you, if you are in a real one, like you're going to experience yeah. hurt, but there's a difference between hurt and harm. And so you got to learn like, okay, this relationship is actually harming me and I need to get out and get away from this person. Or I'm in this relationship that I love and yes, I've been hurt or I hurt the other person. So let's just make it right. Let's make some tweaks and let's move forward together. And so just knowing the difference between hurt and harm can really help you. Um, is there anything you want to add there, Tiff? Because I had something that I want to share with you guys too that we've talked about on the show before. <laughs> so good. Yes, I want to pause on the hurt and harm. Again, y'all, this is a game changer. So if you needed to go back and replay what she just said, the hurt and harm, that is truly um, life-changing. I once uh, read an example of this probably in the book that Ashley gave me changes the heel. We will link it to Amazon. <laughs> yeah. um, truly a game changer. Especially as yes. um, if you are, you know, 25 to 55 to 65, we know we have listeners of all ages. I think especially when you're walking out um, life with adult parents and yeah. if you find yourself in some sticky situations, changes the heel could, could be the game changer for you. Yes. Um, hurt versus harm. I, this is the example that I that I had read about was uh, these these parents wanted their adult son to join them on Christmas Day, be there on Christmas Day for the whole shindig of opening gifts and having, you know, turkey dinner, all that good stuff, or ham dinner, whatever. And he said, oh, I actually got invited to go skiing with some friends that um, that weekend. But I'd love to do another day, like the week of Christmas. And they said, how, that's so harmful. Like, how would you do that? And he said, and and so the the author, I'm pretty sure it was Andrew God, was saying like, no, that that's that's they they can feel hurt, but he did not harm them. Yeah, he did not intentionally right. harm them. And so I, I share that very simple example because I think we feel like these are sometimes really big, um, explosive situations right. that are we label with codependency, and they're actually can be really small, yes. um, everyday exchanges yep. where there is. Uh, an assumption that this person would always have your best interest or your way at heart. And really they're living their own life. So it's such an mm -hmm. invitation to remember that we are all um, created to thrive and not at the expense of one another. And the goal yep. is interdependence, not codependence. 
Yeah, it's so good. And another thing, another good sign that you can tell, and I think we did a whole podcast episode on this, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, but we call it shooting all over people. <laughs> and so a good sign of, you know, dealing with some codependent nature. And again, this comes from like worrying about other people's problems and wanting to fix other people's problems all the time. But maybe you're a constant unsolicited advice giver. So perhaps someone shares something with you and you're like, oh, you should read this. You should do this. You should talk to them about that. You should listen to this instead of just like listening to the person and asking if you can offer input, if it feels right, (laughs) or maybe just listening and saying, thank you for sharing. Then we jump very quickly to what people should do. And it makes us feel good if we're operating in codependency because we can feel like, oh, we're fixing something. And don't we all truly want that at the end of the day? Even if you're not dealing with codependency, don't you want to just fix things? Because it feels great to get something done, to make something better, to, you know, move forward with strength. And, but that's, that is one of the signs is that you should all over people all the time. Mm, (laughs) Just a constant unsolicited advice giver. So just remember if you deal with that, just ask permission and allow the other person to say, no, no, thank you. I just just would like you to listen or no thank you I don't I don't actually want to read any books right now you know I just ask people before you provide all the input and ideas that you have (laughs) yeah I mean I feel like so many of us when we're when we're sharing our situations we just want to be heard and seen and belong I think half the healing comes from talking it out you know I agree I agree and having someone who just listens to you and is steady in that way I think is a really important thing and this might be a little different like in your marriage or in your friendships like I feel like with my closest friends and my husband, they have an open invitation. And we have the kind of relationship where I could say, oh my gosh, you know what? I'm just too tired to even hear a solution to this right now. Like, I love you, but can we just talk solutions tomorrow? (laughs) And so I think there are those relationships where it's okay to sort of have an open door for input, wisdom, advice, solutions, things that you're not seeing. But overall, just you know, stop telling people who are pregnant in the coffee shop to not get coffee. You know, like just don't don't oh, mind gosh, your business. Yeah. Mind your own yeah. business, okay? <laughs> yeah. I think I love that though, because what you're saying is go back to personal boundaries. Yes. You're saying is go back to know what you can handle and don't let yourself be walked all over. Um, and then you're hurt you are hurting and it is too much. And but you you so fear uh, harming or hurting the other person that you won't yeah. even say to them, Hey, I I actually can't handle this right now. Like uh, let's yeah. talk again in a week or something like that. I think there's, yeah. uh, and, and you're, uh, obviously you can see where my my personality and, and demeanor stands on this because I'm just like, oh, I so badly don't want to hurt you, you know? Yeah. Um, but whether we're, wherever we fall on the spectrum, it just shows you personal boundaries is the first right step yeah. um, to walking out wholeness and treating ourselves with kindness and goodness yes. and treating others with kindness and goodness. Yes, I love that. And maybe you guys have heard of this too, um, you know, transactional relationships instead of like true relationships. And I think that's important here too, since we're talking about relationships and those become very one-sided where a person is expecting you to give to them all the time. And it can feel like real relationship to you as the person doing all the work in that relationship, but truly it's one-sided. And so it's important to recognize what's a transactional relationship and what is like a reciprocal relationship, because in reciprocal relationships, there's a constant give and take, and there's a showing up for one another, even when you don't benefit from it. And transactional relationships tend to happen when only one person is benefiting from the work and the effort put into the relationship. And so just pay attention to that because that can happen at work. It can happen in mentorship. It can happen, you know, through friendship and it can happen, you know, in many, many spaces, but we don't want to have transactional relationships, right? Because honestly, if you're constantly just doing things in relationship for the other person, that's also a way 
of hiding. And it's important Mm. to own that because you can hide behind all the stuff you can do for a person rather than actually be vulnerable and share your life and own your stuff and tell the truth about the relationship where it's like, Hey, I feel like I'm constantly doing things for you, but this doesn't feel very reciprocal. Like you don't have to own that. If you're okay with the transactional relationship, you don't have to be brave and tell the truth and get vulnerable and honest about the relationship that you're in. And so just encouraging you guys to pay attention to those relationships that feel very transactional, or maybe you notice in yourself, gosh, I get so much out of this person, but I can't remember the last time I showed up for them or did something for them or cared for them or asked them how they're doing. And maybe it's time to do that, you know, and ministry is another place where you can really get taken advantage of that way. Um, and some of those lines cross if you work for a ministry staff, obviously you have a job to do, but mm-hmm. it can also happen a lot in ministry where, yeah. you know, you know, you can, you can, um, le- you can learn that transactional relationships are a way of life and they're actually not. You're supposed to be in meaningful, loving, generous, reciprocal relationships. Every person is created for that and we deserve that. So we got to work on our, on our stuff and then also be vulnerable in our stuff so that other people can know us and see us. And uh, when we don't fall into the trap of having one-sided relationships. Yeah, that's good. So are we good to transition to interdependency? What does that look like? I think we've um, painted mm-hmm. very a very accurate picture of what codependency look like. But one of the things, um, just thinking of a list of what does interdependency look like? First, mm-hmm. I think there's mutual reliance, just as you said, on each yes. other, a balanced give and take. I think yep. there's asking for and giving and help helping promote growth, learning, and self-sufficiency. I think autonomy is healthy, you know, yes, and encouraging is. that in each other yes. and not assuming that we have to, uh, or the shoulds, the have tos, the shoulds, yes. um, feel free to be your authentic self. You mm-hmm. fully experience your own feelings, not, not expecting others to experience them for you or fix them for you. You know, you right. have value even when others are upset with you. I think that mm-hmm. is, um, and I think that's something, again, I'm going back to parenting as well, but I think that's huge in our children, knowing that they're yeah. loved, even when they're being disciplined. It doesn't feel good in yes. the moment, scripture says, but it's good. It's good for growth. It's good for wholeness. Yeah. Um, you feel safe and secure in your relationship. Uh, you're able to disagree or say no without guilt. And I love that yes. it goes back to what you said of just no, no shoulds or I owe this. I owe, always feel like you owe somebody something. That's, that's right. what I'd be feeling. No, it isn't. It's not the mafia people, um, uh, <laughs> honesty and the ability to admit mistakes and help promote growth. I think, you know, yeah. we're, we're as, as Ashley often says, we're human beings, not human doings. And yeah. being is not easy and being is nuanced and complex and tricky. And we're always learning and to live yeah. open handed, to learn with that and um, knowing that we're a work in process. Yes, I love that. I want to circle back to the autonomy piece because that is so incredibly important that you can be an individual who stands alone outside of your relationship with others. And the reason that this is important is because sometimes relationships change or people Mm. change or perhaps somebody, you know, what if someone you love falls into an addiction and you have to set up new boundaries? Well, if you don't have a personal autonomy, if you are not able to differentiate your life and your boundaries from that other person, then when the the nature of the relationship changes, then you won't be able to change with it. You will actually get pulled down with whatever's happening in that relationship. And so you have to operate healthy in that way and transition to a place where you can, you know, differentiate yourself from another. And how do you do that? I mean, you're probably like, yeah, okay, great. How do we do all these great things that you just listed? (laughs) Especially if you're caught in, you know, um, in a codependent relationship, or maybe you're awakening to it for the first time. 
And I think being honest about it is the first step. You know, stepping mm-hmm. out of denial is always the first step. Like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I do see these codependent things. And then yeah. getting professional help is awesome. You know, therapy, group therapy. I really am a big fan of group therapy, support groups. There are plenty of um, of recovery groups that are specific to the issue of codependency. And then, um, you know, there's other ways where you can begin to talk about it with the healthy people in your life. Like, hey, I'm starting to notice these patterns. What do you think? Reading books, getting input, listening to podcasts, listening to good teaching on this kind of thing. Like these are all steps forward. And I want you guys to know that it is a messy process, that you're not going to fix it by tomorrow, that enmeshment to pull things apart again, to to develop autonomy, to develop good boundaries, to develop reciprocity is, is a pull a part of that enmeshment so it's going to hurt it's going to feel messy you're going to feel like oh my gosh i'm losing something i'm going to lose this person you could feel abandonment you could feel up rejection i mean there's a million that you could feel fear and insecurity and anxiety like i just want you to know that all those things are normal because sometimes we picture that that pulling apart almost like a clean little slice like it's just going to be done in a day and it isn't it actually takes some time especially with the relationships that you're in that you want to keep um so just know that it's a messy process but you can do it you were made to do it and you got this oh that's so beautiful yeah and under I think even just sitting back I think after I've read books and and read and watched you know videos on it and listened to it at conferences and learned about this I go back to who am I without anyone else that's right who am I and how will I let people treat me how do I want to treat others what do I value what do I not value what makes me me and if something is going to mm-hmm. compromise that, and I mean the the, the highest ideals, uh, the mm-hmm. sweetest version of ourselves, but if something's going to compromise that, that's that's probably in need of examination. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Really, really good. Agreed. Um, love it, love it. Well, listeners, it is so good to be with you. Um, as we, as she said, we have a great guest next week, so you're going to want to stay tuned next week. And we're here for you. Let me know if you like Madam Secretary. I need to know. <laughs> also, I just want to uh, circle back. If you were in the episode where we talked about cottage cheese, Ugh. I had I had some allies on the internet. Allies, you actually. Did. Allies. Mm-hmm. They were here for it. And you had some I haters say, too, though, okay? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't tag me, though. They didn't tag oh, me. Oh, they tagged hating. me and sent me messages, little haters. I'm here for it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. Over and out, people. We're here for you. We love you. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners. Remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit TiffanyBloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit AshAbercrombie.org. See you next week.